Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 20 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Brother Mead is talking about marks of a natural conscience. Number three, there is no natural man. Let him go never so far. Let him do never so much in the matters of religion. But still he has his Delilah, his bosom lust. Judas went far, but he carried his covetousness along with him. Herod went far. He did many things under the force of John's ministry. But yet there was one thing he did not do. He did not put away his brother's wife. His Herodias lay in his bosom still. Nay, commonly all the natural man's duties are to hide some sin. His profession is only made use of for a cover shame. But now the renewed conscience hates all sin as David did. I hate every false way. He regards no iniquity in his heart. He uses duties not to cover sin, but to help work down and work out sin. Now then, if I profess religion, if I make mention of the name of the Lord and make my boast of the law, and yet through breaking the law dishonor God, if I live in the love of any sin and make use of my profession to cover it, then I am a hypocrite, and my duties flow but from a natural conscience. But, on the other hand, if I name the name of the Lord Jesus and depart from iniquity, if I use duties not to cover but to reveal and mortify sin, then am I upright before God, and my duties flow from a renewed conscience. Number four, a natural man prides himself in his duties. If he is much in duty, then he is much lifted up under duty. So did the Pharisee. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. And why? Where does the difference lie? Why? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all. But now... Take a gracious heart, a renewed conscience, and when his duties are highest, then his heart is lowest. Thus it was with the Apostle Paul. He was much in service, in season and out of season, preaching up the Lord Jesus with all boldness and earnestness, and yet very humble, in a sense, of his own unworthiness under all. I am not worthy to be called an apostle. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And again, of sinners, I am the chief. Thus, a believer, when he is highest in duties, then he is lowest in humility. Duty puffs up the hypocrite, but a believer comes away humbled. Why? 
because the hypocrite has had no visions of God. He has seen only his own gifts and parts, and this exalts him. But the believer has seen God and enjoyed communion with God, and this humbles him. Communion with God, though it is very refreshing, is also very abasing and humbling to the creature. Jerome observes on Zephaniah 1.1, where it is said that Cushi was the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, that Amariah signifies the word of the Lord. Gedaliah signifies the greatness of the Lord. And Cushi is interpreted humility or my Ethiopian. So that, said he, from the word of the Lord comes a sight of the greatness of the Lord, and from a sight of the greatness of the Lord comes humility. Now then, if I pride myself in any duty and am not puffed up under my performances, then I have not seen nor met with God in any duty. But on the other hand, if when my gifts are highest, my heart is lowest, if when my spirit is most raised, my heart is most humbled, if in the midst of all my services, I can maintain a sense of my own unworthiness, if Cushi is the son of Gedaliah, then I have seen and had communion with God in duty, and my performances are from a renewed conscience. Number five. Look what that is to which the heart secretly renders the glory of a duty. And that is the principle of the duty. In Habakkuk 1.16, we read of them that sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their drag. Where the glory of an action is rendered to a man's self, the principle of that action is self. All rivers run into the sea. That is an argument that they come from the sea. So when all a man's duties terminate in self, then self is the principle of all. Now all the natural man's duties run into himself. He was never by a thorough work of grace, truly cast out of himself and brought to deny himself. And therefore, he can rise no higher than himself in all he does. He was never brought to be poor in spirit and so to live upon another, to be carried out of all duties to Jesus Christ. But the believer gives the glory of all his services to God. Whatever strength or life there is in duty, God has all the glory. For he is, by grace, put out of himself and therefore sees no excellence or worthiness in self. I labored more abundantly than they all, said the apostle. But to whom does he ascribe the glory of this? To self? No. Yet not I, said he, but the grace of God which was with me. Whenever the grace of Christ is wrought in the heart as a principle of duty, you shall find the soul, when it is most carried out, with a yet not I in the mouth of it. I live, yet not I. 
I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I. Self is disclaimed, and Christ most advanced when it is from grace that the heart is quickened. The 24 elders cast their crowns at Christ's feet. There are two things very hard. One is to take the shame of our sins to ourselves. The other is to give the glory of our services to Christ. Now then, if I sacrifice to my own net, if I aim at my own credit or profit and give the glory of all I do to self, then I sow to the flesh and was never cast out of self, but act only from a natural conscience. But if I give the glory of all my strength and life in duty only to God, if I magnify grace in all, and can truly say in all I do, yet not I, then I am truly cast out of self, and do what I do with a renewed conscience. Number six. Though a natural conscience may put a man much upon service, yet it never presses to the attainment of holiness. So he carries an unsanctified heart under all. How long was Judas a professor, and yet he had not gotten one particle of grace? The foolish virgins, you know, took their lamps, but took no oil in their vessels. That is, they looked more after a profession than after a sanctification. But now, when a renewed conscience puts a man upon duty, it is succeeded with the growth of holiness. As grace helps to the doing of duty, so duty helps to the growing of grace. A believer is the more holy and the more heavenly by his being much in duties. Now then, if I am much in a life of duties and yet a stranger to the life of holiness, if I maintain a high profession and yet have not a true work of sanctification, if, like children in the rickets, I grow big in the head but weak in the feet, then have I gifts and parts but no grace. And though I am much in service, yet I have but a natural conscience. But on the other hand, if the holiness of my conversation carries a proportion to my profession, if I am not a hearer of the word only, but a doer of it, if grace grows in seasons of duty, then I act in the things of God from a renewed conscience. Number seven, and lastly, if a natural conscience is the spring of duty, why then this spring runs fastest at first and so abates and at last dries up? But if a renewed conscience, a sanctified heart, is the spring of duty, then this spring will never dry up. It will run always from first to last and run quicker at last than first. I know thy works, and the last to be more than the first. The righteous shall hold on his way, and he that has clean hands shall be stronger and stronger.
This concludes episode 20 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.